Good afternoon. I'm David Catalano, and together with uh, Dr. Weaver, we're going to be talking about uh, short-term medical missions. This is really for the beginner, and I see some people who I know are not beginners in here, but that's okay. Um, uh, before we start, uh, let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for a wonderful meeting we're having so far, and we pray your blessing on our activities. Please open our minds and help us to grow and understand, to fellowship together and network together, and to honor you in all that we do. We pray that the the meditations of our hearts, the words of our mouths will be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Okay, as I said, this is uh, a talk really for beginners. And uh, since we're talking about our experience uh, today in various ways, I'll explain that I have only recently become involved in missions. And it's been a very interesting walk. Um, I've had to learn from uh, pretty much the ground up. So I was hoping that we could talk about some of the things that we learned and hopefully uh, get some interest from uh, those in the audience, perhaps to join us on a future mission. Um, I don't know if we have any more handouts. We do? Oh. Linda already has one. Okay. So my experience is uh, actually in radiation medicine and oncology. Uh, I'm practicing in Central Florida now, having been on the West Coast uh, all my previous career. And um, I, initially I thought that would be a huge handicap, and in many ways it still is, to do uh, jungle medicine. It's about the furthest thing from what I'm trained to do. But then uh, one of the first missions I went on, which was an Amen mission to India, we had a chiropractor, we had a psychiatrist, we had a neurologist, a plastic surgeon, and they're all saying the same things. What can we do? Well, anything we can do is better than what they have. They have nothing. Uh, in Haiti, a trip that I'll be talking about a little bit more tomorrow, uh, the missionary family daughter who was 17 years old was the local surgeon. She amputated fingers. She sewed up gashes. She did everything. She was all they had. Uh, she's in medical school now, and I'm sure she's going to be one fantastic physician. Um, so anything that we bring is going to be useful. Um, so uh, just to re reiterate some of what Amen's um, founding beliefs are, we believe in a divine call to use our unique influence as providers of medical and dental care as witnesses for Christ. Uh, and we do have a unique uh, opportunity to uh, be that entering wedge. The belief that the Great Commission is the privilege and responsibility of every Christian physician and dentist. 
Therefore, each should model their practice after the loving ministry of Jesus. Words taken directly from Naren James, Amen's president. Um, early in the history of the Adventist medical work, the term right arm of the message was used by Ellen White and others to symbolize this unique aspect of physicians and dentists' witness. Arthur White summarized by saying, the medical work in which Seventh-day Adventists were engaged, which later came, became known to be known as the medical missionary work, was God's, in God's providence instituted as a means of, one, bringing relief to the sick, and two, of acquainting them with the Savior, and three, preparing them to meet Christ at his second coming. This work was to be the right arm of the message. It was a means of contacting and reaching people effectively. So as we have tailored the short-term medical missions, uh, we hope to provide three general areas. The first is, of course, the care of patients. Uh, once we provide care of <coughs> patients, we can then start teaching patients uh, preventative medicine, uh, teaching them how to care for their teeth, for their bodies, and then in turn point to the great physician as the source of health and healing. It's very easy when you're up talking to patients about how to take care of themselves to lift a Bible up and say, you know, if you read this entire book, most of what we're telling you is in there. And then everyone has a rush for the Bibles at the end of the program. Uh, it's amazing. Um, so let's talk about how we can organize medical missions. What, what I'm finding is that there are a lot of uh, physicians and dentists who are interested in missions. But like me, they feared the unknown. They didn't understand how to get a mission done. Uh, they might be willing to go on a mission as long as they didn't have to plan it, organize it, or be any, in, in charge in any way. And uh, the truth is that the hardest part of a mission program is organizing the food and the lodging. It's making sure that there's a clean, safe, uh, typically cool place to sleep and uh, have a, an organizational understructure that keeps everyone uh, healthy. After that, showing up at a clinic is really the easy part. You show up, you see what you see. The patients that come in typically have very simple needs. They may be a little bit of uh, vitamin uh, problem. They may have anemia. Often in third world countries, there's a infestation of worms. It's very easy to treat. And the medication for those things, vitamins and worm medicine, are often provided for free uh, if you know where to get them. Uh, in other cases, there may be a simple laceration, a burn, uh, something that's very easy to treat. And that's just the part for uh, everyday medicine. Then there are the specialists that can do uh, minor surgeries. Um, in Haiti, for example, we saw a lot of hydrocele's. We saw a lot of undescended testicles and a lot of hernias. It's really endemic there, probably because of the inbreeding. And uh, we couldn't do anything with our team that went, uh, we were not surgeons, but it would have been fairly easy for a surgical team 
to work at the local Adventist hospital and to uh, do some of those repairs. I mean, very simple. So what we hope to do is with the, the vision of Amen for the future is to network and organize and help those who uh, are interested but they're a little bit timid and haven't really experienced how to do a mission. And by, by working together, uh, we can succeed. As it says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So the first thing that I think about when thinking about going on a mission is identifying the location. Um, the easiest way to identify where to go is to go on the AMN website. We have many trips listed from a number of different sources. Um, if any of you have seen that, you'll see that the Quiet Hour represented about two-thirds of those opportunities. Uh, the Quiet Hour is one of a half a dozen uh, Adventist organizations that are sending evangelists, often doing vacation Bible schools with youth. Uh, they may be doing some health talks, but rarely do they have more than one or any physicians, and they would love to have a physician go along. We've had physicians interested in going, but when they hear that there may only be one or two and that there's no one going to lead out, that they, in fact, would be leading out, um, they're afraid to go because of the fear of the unknown. But that need not be. Uh, Share Him is another group that uh, has a, a lot of those trips. Um, sometimes there are local church congregations that are doing missions, and they tend to go back to the same place over and over again and they build up quite a following, and those groups can go organized and do um, minor surgeries. They can do um, oral surgeries. Uh, they've been uh, very successful at doing that, so using past mission uh, locations is good. But, you know, I think that um, many physicians' families, particularly if they have older children, they might want to just pick a location, pick a country that you always wanted to go to. Let's say Peru. Well, there's probably a mission going to Peru in the near future that you could sign on to. That's often the case. Almost every accessible country has a mission um, once or twice a year if you just know how to get onto the system. So um, we just had someone say, you know, I'd like to take my family I have teenagers. I'd like to go to Peru. Do you have anything? And the next opening happens to be, that I know of, the Quiet Hours trip in May. So if any of you are interested, uh, there are three uh, professionals, two dentists and a physician going to Peru uh, in May. Uh, there are trips to uh, the Ukraine. There are trips to uh, other parts of Europe. Uh, quite a few trips going to uh, the South Pacific, various places. Um, pretty exotic locations, uh, Fiji, uh, Solomon Islands, that sort of thing. And uh, South America is very popular. South America happens to be a, um, a very easy first trip, so I understand. I haven't had the privilege of going, but I understand it's a very clean, safe, it's not overly hot, um, it is um, certainly one of the possibilities. So in the, um, 
in the near future, AMEN will continue to grow its database and we hope to have uh, resources for learning about how to do missions, how to facilitate them. And um, you can team up with programs that are advertised on the web. So I would point you to uh, AMEN's resources or some of the non-Adventist Christian resources. Two that come to mind are the Christian Medical and Dental Associations and the um, Medical Teams International, which used to be called Northwest Medical Teams in Portland, Oregon. Um, uh, Medical Teams International, for example, has an $87 million budget. Um, they have a lot of uh, tools and resources. They have low-cost uh, medical kits. They send uh, surgical teams and so on. One of the uh, worries that I had when I first went was who is going to pay for the trip. In uh, Amen's first um, mission to India, we spent about $30,000 on medications. And a lot of those were purchased in country. They were worth about 10 times that. As you know, the uh, Indians don't necessarily respect international copy, I mean, uh, patent. So you can get pretty much anything at 10 cents on the dollar. But since then, I've learned that many of the things that we purchased, I could have had for free had I only known where to get them. So we're hoping to uh, give those resources out. Some of those are listed in the handout. I also have seen local churches very quickly adopt a, to uh, sponsor a uh, group or a person. So what AMEN can do is hook uh, interested physicians and dentists to a local church congregation. Um, in the case of Haiti, for example, there was a local congregation in Southern Illinois, membership 40, that raised $8,000 for our trip. And that was just one congregation and we were done. That was all that we needed. Um, hospitals are very uh, helpful, particularly if you happen to be on the staff or if they know who you are. It's very easy to get uh, medication, supplies, all sorts of things from them, even money. Um, I didn't work at Florida Hospital, but because I was an Adventist physician and I had just moved to the Orlando area, the Florida Hospital South, which is the main one in Orlando, uh, they gave us about $10,000 worth of stuff. Yes, in fact, St. B's, St. Bernardine's in San Bernardino, also gave us a huge amount just because one of their physicians, Raja Tuma, asked them. And they said, yeah, we could do that. Okay, another important aspect of going on a mission is to have permission to practice. In some countries, it doesn't matter. I was told in Haiti, you just show up, you can pull teeth, operate, do whatever you want. Nobody cares. But in India, uh, you cannot practice medicine without a license, which they will not give you typically, any more than they can come over here and practice medicine. So what we did was we hired local national physicians. Uh, they cost about $100 a day to hire. And uh, we had, that was for seven of them. And when we hired them, they, they said, well, we need a nurse to help us translate. So we got seven physicians and seven nurses for a very good price. And all we did was keep them in the area and then we could do whatever we needed to do. Um, interestingly, in their society, a physician sees a patient from across the table. They say, what's wrong? 
patient says a few words, they scribble something, hand it to them, take it to the pharmacy. So the fact that we were able to be hands-on with the patient to, when we're done, ask them if they wanted prayer, which they almost universally did, and uh, to really uh, minister to them made a huge impact, even though the physician was also there. Um, it is very important to make sure that we have permission to do what we're doing, and that's another aspect that AMEN is going to help work out, getting those permissions. Um, David, yes. How did you guys locate those? Did you get into the local assistance in finding those local professionals? The only way that I know how to do that is to make contact with somebody who's already in country. In the case of Haiti, we had um, the local uh, tribesmen, basically they, they gave their verbal permission for us to come into their, their town. Right, and those, in, in, that, in India we had to go through government channels, so we had to have a contact there. Um, we already had Maranatha. Maranatha has excellent contacts in Asia, and uh, they were able to get written permission from the government for us to be there, and uh, we had those papers on us. We could have been arrested for practicing medicine there, and uh, in fact, as you know, there were evangelists who were arrested, not Adventists, but um, they were in the area. They were actually arrested for doing what they were doing, and having permission is very important. Um, contacting uh, local authorities by the area churches is also um, a good way because um, they're there and they know they've usually done this sort of thing before. Food and lodging is critical to a good, successful mission. Um, most people will run out of steam after 24 or 36 hours. You have to provide clean water so there isn't a spread of dysentery, you know, two days later. You've got to provide um, good quality food, and that is something that um, is done very, very well by the organizations that are out there like the Quiet Hour, like Maranatha. Um, in fact, they're so good at it that typically we're staying in uh, three and four star. Of course, that's like one star here, but uh, very nice facilities that have air conditioning and so forth. Now occasionally there are some more rustic uh, opportunities. Um, Dr. Carney was on one of those um, where uh, at the headwaters of the Amazon, um, a little bit more rustic, but you still felt safe. I mean, uh, a lot of those South American projects put you on a boat. So you've got a haven. And um, it was very doable for a week or two. So plentiful, healthy food, and then um, most people should, I think, bring snacks, something that you can easily pack with you and take out into the field, um, cliff bars and uh, you know maybe something that can um, last for the whole week, something you can snack on. Um, in India, we were two hours from our hotel some days and we didn't have time to go back for lunch. We elected to just stay in the field and work through lunch and then quit about four. I never thought I would love uh, a Loma Linda, you know, linkette 
or a, a big franc as much as I did. But somebody had a can of those and uh, they really helped. Another important aspect of the mission team is to ensure the safety of the team. Um, in India, because there was so much experience, the Maranatha teams learned that they could um, easily control a crowd if they hired a uniformed, unarmed guard. Again, they come at the price of maybe $10 a day. Um, just having that person there was very helpful. Um, in the early days, uh, mission teams would come and they would bring their medicine and 300 people would line up. And after patient number 200, they'd run out of medicine and there was a rush of the crowd for the uh, physician team and they barely got out without injury. So um, the best way to arrange safety is to consider hiring a, um, a person uh, of some authority. It could even be a local pastor. Uh, another way to do it is to uh, have a building where there's one entrance and one exit. And you control the crowd. You let uh, only as many people in that have come out the other door. And that works very well. And then, of course, there's the um, vaccinations and there are certain other recommendations that the State Department uh, posts for each country. Um, in Haiti, for example, they said avoid certain neighborhoods, particularly around Port-au-Prince, the capital. Um, as long as you did that, it was very safe. Um, when we got there, we were amazed that um, the UN had such a strong presence. Uh, they were everywhere around downtown. And then out in the countryside, it was very safe. So we covered that. Um, just to give you an idea, this is just an example of some of the things that we bring um, when we go. We bring, of course, uh, on the medical side, we bring medications. And uh, that was very difficult for me because I don't uh, prescribe a lot of medications in my practice. Trying to get a, a list together was a little bit difficult. We ended up paring it down to what I call the top 20 plus, and they're, they're listed there. Two of those are the same thing. One is eardrops and one is, uh, is uh, Cipro. So in general, if you have something like these 20 things, you'll pretty much be able to cover what you need. Yes, a question? Oh, it's not in there? Oh, okay. Well, um, start writing. We can, uh, we can email anyone this list. And actually, this was from India, and you'll notice that there's some drugs I'd never heard of, uh, nemesilide. Like, you know, what is that? That is a uh, COX-2 drug, NSAID. Um, these happen to be just dirt cheap. You could get these sometimes for a penny a pill. Uh, they did not have um, acetaminophen. They had paracetamol, but... Uh, Basically, you want to cover uh, the things that are on here. I would also mention that I had to learn the hard way, albendazole, which is one of the best broad-spectrum uh, worm medications, is, uh, it's been manufactured to be very inexpensive. There are uh, groups that will give you albendazole uh, by the hundreds. And um, it is much preferred 
over the uh, mubendazole, which is also still widely available. So I'd recommend uh, having that there. Um, there's also a need for iron. A lot of anemia, particularly because of worm infestations and so forth, uh, you want to take this zincifer was uh, zinc and iron vitamins. A uh, little something for skin, uh, that's uh, neosporin and beclazone. Um, so anyway, you get the idea. Uh, medical supplies, typically we bring whatever we can get donated from uh, operating rooms, central supply. I mean, every time I went, um, I went to central supply and I said, hey, what do you got for me? And they said, well, uh, here's a box of a thousand tongue depressors, here's some gloves, we have uh, extra bandages over here and so forth, and you just walk out with armfuls of this stuff. And that's without warning. If you give them warning, usually they'll provide you with whatever you need. Um, it's good to bring uh, glucometers. Uh, I didn't realize in India that there was so much diabetes. And of course in Haiti that's uh, endemic. Um, it seems that everyone's eating white rice around the third world. And even though uh, brown rice might be cheaper, I asked the, some of the Indian patients, why do you eat white rice? You know, brown rice is better for you. I said, well, that's what the poor people eat, brown rice. Um, often uh, orthopedic uh, clinics will give you free their leftover orthotics. You know, you can get slings and all sorts of things. And they're pretty light uh, to pack in your luggage. And then, of course, <clears throat> you have... Um, Everyone needs eyeglasses and shoes, so being able to bring some of those with you would be good. Lions Club is a good source of eyeglasses. Uh, Dr. Weaver will talk somewhat about uh, his experience in dental supplies. Um, it's helpful to bring urine dipsticks and pregnancy tests because those are really hard to get in less developed countries, and family doctors you know, who buy these things can get them pretty cheaply here and transport them. Yes, in fact, um, there's a lot of, of different uh, strip kits and things that are very useful. Some of them are very expensive, but you can get them donated. One would be a, um, a rapid HIV and that sort of thing. Um, we had requests for those in Haiti. We were unable to get them because it was sort of a last minute trip. But um, yeah, things that are small and light, easy to carry, those are uh, very good. And then you just leave behind whatever uh, you don't use. The best way to get stuff to your uh, foreign country is personal luggage if you can. And that's because if you ship ahead, a lot of countries, um, it goes through so many hands by the time it gets to your destination, it's been pilfered. And um, we were told in India not to even attempt that because most of the things that Adra and uh, Maranatha had ordered did not actually arrive. You can also buy locally. Um, that's probably better than shipping ahead if you can, but uh, be aware that you should have a contact that can actually pick up the items. Um, with the recent downsizing in baggage, um, do you know of any airlines that might allow you to take extra luggage if it's a medical mission trip? Anyone had any experience with that? It's good they, to ask. They'll charge you $75 a, a 
I think that, that it doesn't hurt to ask. I mean, personally, my experience was that we got charged. However, um, when you're carrying $3,000 worth of medication, paying $75 for the 100-pound bag is worth it. And um, the only catch with that is that in some countries, you have to mark a customs form, and then you have to declare. So there are various ways around that, but um, uh, that's probably the easiest way to go to make sure that you get what you really need. Yes, Dr. Mills. My dad is a minister, and he always just asked for a ministerial discount. I don't think we ever paid anything uh, full price for anything. Uh, always get a 10%. It's probably a little harder today, but yeah. ask and you shall receive. And if they're not willing to give it free, ask what their discount is. I mean, don't stop until you get something because usually you'll get something. Very good. Good advice. On, on your customs form, if you mark that as donated goods, not for resale, and therefore has no value, sometimes they'll let you. Yeah, there are various ways to deal with customs, and that, again, is a, a big issue. Um, personally, I have a problem with doing something that's clearly uh, untruth. Um, the, the biggest problem that I had was in Haiti. Um, the form said, check here if you are not carrying any large sums of money, and they listed, I don't know how much, it was several thousand dollars, uh, blah, 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 or... Uh, pharmaceuticals, parenthesis, except for personal use. And so I'm thinking, hmm, what do we do here? And I thought, well, you know, this is the Lord's work. So I crossed, I checked the box, but then I crossed out medications. And I'm thinking, uh, I wonder if they're going to catch that. Um, I mean, obviously, there's, there's ways of getting around things. Um, your suggestion, sir, was very good. I think that you want to make sure that it's clear um, that it's not for sale and it's, you're, you're not a pharmaceutical company. Um, the U.S. Customs website is very useful. And um, what we found was, and we're going to have to use this more, ADRA has a great presence in most of the countries that you would be considering going to. And they are a huge resource for this sort of thing. Um, in Haiti, we wondered if ADRA would help us get out of the airport. Uh, I was thinking even just to help us find our destination. And, um, but I was sweating it out. You know, I had my custom form in hand, and I'm thinking, boy, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'd heard that they often, uh, if they think that one of you has medications, then they'll stop the whole group, and they'll charge hundreds of dollars per bag. And so we all had several hundred dollars on us, just in case that happened. But the ADRA folks, they know the local customs people. Now, I, I think that paying a fee, uh, if that's the local customs, I mean, if that's the way you have to do it, I mean, that's fine. But it's even better if ADRA's there, like in Haiti. Um, they met us in between the tarmac and customs. And they took us around customs. We never even went through customs in Haiti. It was amazing. Um, I've listed in the handout some resources for um, both free and low-cost medications. Here is an example of four pharmaceutical companies that have um, 
free boxes. Typically they'll send one box per year per physician if you have a business address, they'll mail it to you if you ask ahead of time. Um, and each of these boxes is worth thousands of dollars. Um, so we've got um, four listed there. And then on um, the low cost ones, there's the MAP people. The medical assistance program is set up for doing missions. For about $500, they'll send you what they consider a complete package that you would need. Each of these boxes is enough to see, um, they say, somewhere between 20 and 50 patients. So, um, and that would actually be uh, on the low side. I think when I saw their list and compared it to ours, we'd probably see 100 patients for that. Um, we ended up spending about two or three dollars per person. Um, so, how do we um, how do we make the whole package? Now, there are many groups out there that do medical work. There's hey, there's Doctors Without Borders. I mean, they're doing great work, but they offer nothing for the patient's um, whole whole experience. Um, if we want to treat the whole person, we really should be integrating health talks and health ministry um, in with our medical uh, offerings. There are two ways that are commonly used that are very effective. Uh, I call those the large group and the small group um, approach. In the large group approach, um, if you have enough people, you can actually have health talks going on during your medical clinic. Um, I was just talking with Charlene West for the quiet hour. She said that uh, in one of their trips to South America, they had 200 people in line at 7 a.m. They didn't know what to do with them. So they put them in the church. They preached to them. And it turned out that they had their evangelistic series between 7 and 9 every morning. And they got 350 baptisms from that. Then the small group approach, which is kind of what we did in Haiti, was we tried to have um, each physician do all three components. That is, during the day, you do medical clinics, and the patients recognize you there. And then in the late afternoon or evening, you do your health talks and evangelism, and it's the same person. And so they come to associate that. And the reason I think that that's so helpful is that it comes to the idea of motive. If a preacher comes to a country and preaches, well, they want, they want your soul. I mean, they want something uh, for that. And it seems that more than anything, by giving the complete package, by giving everything that you can, you have uh, health experience and you have um, knowledge experience and you have a religious experience that you can share and that when it's wrapped up all in one um, it is much much more powerful when you have a physician uh, preaching and you have a physician saying here's how you prevent diabetes here's how you keep your teeth um, it's it's very powerful um, 
My favorite resource for health talks is the uh, very popular Abundant Living Health Nuggets. Um, these are available um, online. It costs about $100 to buy a sort of uh, international kit. It has, um, I think, about 24 different health talks on uh, everything from AIDS to uh, worms. And it's very well put together. It's very simple. Um, the truth is I had to learn the hard way that physicians typically talk way over the patient's heads anyway. And really we should be much more simple when we approach uh, health message. Um, the first mission I went on, they wouldn't at first let me do any health talks because they said, well, you physicians, you just want to show amoeba. You just want to show microscopes and stuff. And the people don't know what you're talking about. So this is a very, very well put together program. There's another one which um, Charlene West has a few CDs of. The Quiet Era has their own health lecture series in many languages. Um, that's extremely useful. Uh, the General Conference has also got their healthconnection.org uh, site as another good resource. There's many of those that, um, that are out there. And they're pretty much turnkey. All you do is show the slide, and if you want to just read the text, uh, it's very, very simple. Hey, David. Yeah, there was another one. Um, ESIN. Right. Uh, ESIN, it is written here with that. We don't want to village series and... Uh, Right, yeah. The health nuggets are available on the It Is Written website. So if you go to, to uh, It Is Written, that's where you can find it. OCI have one too. Which one? OCI. Oh, yes. Yeah, they do. Um, those are actually referenced on um, the It Is Written website and the Quiet Hour also, I think. Um, so. Integrating evangelism, basically there are uh, several models, but I think it's important to have the third uh, aspect of a successful, complete medical mission is the evangelism part. Now there's a special teams model. Typically these are going to be large groups where you've got somebody assigned to preaching, somebody assigned to doing health talks and so forth. And um, for example, in India we had 100 people on the team. Approximately 50 were medical, approximately 50 were evangelistic. The medical people still showed up at the evangelism meetings. They uh, greeted people, they prayed with them, but they didn't actually do the preaching that was done by the uh, evangelism team. The evangelism team was also canvassing and they were uh, visiting the villages during the day when the medical teams were doing their clinics. Um, Share Him has uh, many wonderful programs that's um, a little bit smaller. Typically they have uh, fewer uh, medical teams. But any, anything that um, combines the three elements where you've got the clinics, the health teams, and the evangelism is uh, very successful. And then VBSs are very good for the young people. Um, the Teenagers that typically go on uh, spring break trips and so on, they have a wonderful time interacting with physicians and dentists. They're just wowed by uh, what they see. I mean, maybe they can uh, even help pull a tooth. They can um, see some patients interact with them. And uh, we get many 
uh, maybe potential dentists and physicians out of that later. Um, then, of course, if when possible, having the physicians and dentists actually doing some of the preaching, I think, has a unique impact, as I mentioned earlier. Um, what we had to do in uh, Haiti sometimes <clears throat> is we had a health talk that was a sermon. It started out with you know pictures of worms and ended up with uh, quoting scriptures, and it was a very easy transition. And again, it's easy to hold up a Bible and say, what we're talking about is found right in here. And then um, they are very interested in, in reading that. Uh, evangelism resources, I listed just a few. There's Share Him, New Beginnings uh, has a series. The It Is Written Evangelism Media Library is a wealth of um, information. And also on the Quiet Hour website, they have uh, the CD discs. There's only a few at their uh, table outside, but they have their own uh, sort of turnkey um, sermon series. Again, it could be as easy as just showing the picture and reading the script. Uh, everything's done. So in summary, uh, it's an awesome privilege to come to a foreign, foreign country, even if only for a week or two, as uh, medical missionaries. It's an opportunity to show Christ's likeness to the hopeless and helpless, the downtrodden souls of some of the least desirable places on earth, and some that are not so uh, undesirable. As we model Christ's methods of loving service through the ministry of health and healing, hearts are naturally open to the gospel and the truths of the Bible. Um, I think as long as we are willing, we don't have to, we don't have to really know what we're doing so much as be willing and um, the Lord will help us succeed. My name is Bob Weaver and uh, I was asked just to share some of the dental aspects of, of mission trips. Um, I have been going on mission trips basically since I was a little kid. My parents were missionaries in Pakistan pulled my first tooth at 10 and used to go to the village there with Dr. Day, the uh, oral surgeon, and I'd get the wiggly ones and he'd get the hard ones. And so from then on, uh, all through, after I finished my training in oral maxillofacial surgery, when I had young kids, I'd do it every few years, but as soon as they got old enough to start going, I would highly recommend sending your kids overseas as soon as possible in my family. When he turned 14, he started doing overseas work every summer. And uh, I think it's ultimate workout. Maranatha has great trips. And to this day, my kids have been overseas 8, 10, 12 times. I have a kid in Africa right now just absolutely loving it. He can't get enough every day. As a matter of fact, he's doing all the health lecture talks uh, for the evangelistic series. My suggestion is that the doctors don't do those health talks. As a general rule, they're not the best speaker. As a general rule, they do speak over people's heads. And I'm just giving it to you straight because lay people can relate and they're a little more entertaining sometimes than uh, many of the physicians that are there giving, <coughs> giving the talks. I do appreciate uh, the fact that there is people here that have been in the mission field 20, 30, 40 years. I appreciate their dedication. I can also tell you that uh, when you take people, the more people you take, the better, and they don't have to have any training. 
I can tell you that if you take non-admins in the group, it's very productive. My dad has been doing mission trips every other year for 10, 12 years, and he's had many baptisms. Probably the highest productive is him coming back from trips uh, with non-adventists, and they just want to jump in the tank. Even in our trip in, in 06 to India, we came back, and uh, shortly thereafter, people were baptized, not adventist um, You've got to pick them carefully. Don't misunderstand me. They've got to represent, and they have to understand up front what, what you're going for. But most of them will fall in line really quick if you have a strong leader in a group. So I can only encourage you if there are people in your office, take them. They're good. If there are people in the hospital, take them. And don't be afraid to let people know you're going on the trip. A couple, couple of interesting stories. And when I started looking at pictures, I had 10,000 pictures to pick from. I actually only picked three quick trips just to kind of different types of trips to show you what, what the possibilities are out there. But two years ago, um, as an oral maxillofacial surgeon, I get referrals from 100 different physicians and dentists, and I wrote a little letter to them saying that I was going to India, and if they could give me some supplies, I'd appreciate it. You know, it was also a good marketing tool. Let's be realistic. Oh, this is a good guy. He's going overseas. I got 10,000 toothbrushes. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with the toothbrushes today. I packaged them up. They, I've been giving it to every charitable donation, every charitable organization. I've sent hundreds of them all over the world. Anybody that needs toothbrushes, if you let me know. I don't ship them, though. Um, I have supplies. You don't believe the supplies you can get if you just ask. Going through customs every time I go on a trip is always scary. It's the way it is. But you know what? you got Lord on your side, and he will get you through. That's the fact. I mean, just going into El Salvador last year, and I'll show you a couple pictures, I was carrying one whole suitcase just full of medications. The whole thing. And I'll tell you, I got the medications through the, the, the reps that came to the office. I tell them, listen, guys, I need antibiotics. The next thing I knew, I had to have 10,000 tablets sitting on my desk. But I'll tell you, some countries, guys, they want to see all of them are up to date. Sometimes we cheat and we take our out-of-date stuff to other trip. It doesn't matter. Some countries will nail you. As a matter of fact, they just nailed a group going into Chile and took all their medicines away from them. Because, so I'm just telling you, some countries could care less. But there is some countries that are very, very particular. And El Salvador checked every single bottle I had and made sure it was still sealed. And the interesting thing was they kept passing me up the line of is this guy legitimate or not? And then in walks the guy, and he goes, what's going on? I told him we were going to, um, we're going to the orphanage there at Hogar, and we're going to do some medical missionary work there on the orphans. And he goes, that's the Ellen White Church. Get out of here. <laughs> and that was it. And so I'm just telling you there's a lot of little tricks, but the fact of the matter is you know who's in charge, so don't sweat it. Just put the truth on it. Don't be fudging anything. And just... Count on it, because it, it, it will go through. Okay, this is my family, and this was a quick trip that we took to India right before uh, you went there. And this was actually originally set up uh, with Maranatha. I was in charge of the dental section. It wasn't big, but obviously they welcome you, and you have a good time. Keep going. we got to move along quick here. In India, it's, it's a great vacation, because it's, 
It's the best reality show you've ever seen. And I'm trying to stimulate some of these young people to have fun because that's what the trip's all about. Get there, make a difference, teach what you can, leave the love of Christ there and have a great experience, and then you'll want to come back, I guarantee you. Driving is always dangerous. You have no clue what's going to be in your way. No matter where you're going, there's going to be something. Everybody has a cell phone in India. Um, it's good. I mean, there's every corner there's activity. So <clears throat> we have 17. We stopped um, the first night at Boboli. I don't know many of you guys know um, Garwin and his blind school. There's a couple of things I'll teach you, and I'm going to try to teach you some real tidbits. Depending on how close... You're going to be working from your airport. You better build in one day someplace close if you're not all coming on the same plane. Because it's not uncommon for one group to get delayed, one group to get in there, and if you have a single bus or two buses, you're up a creek. So I'm giving you some advice from experience that if you're within an hour, it's no big deal. But if you're six or eight hours away, make sure you have some contingency plan for the one or two or three or four or five that didn't get on that flight. And I can also tell you that if you get group rates, they're much more inclined to give you more um, space or give you free um, baggage for medical missionaries. If I, may, if, I may, if I contract with 20 of them with American Airlines, they've worked with me many a time, by the way. But I'm just giving you little tidbits from... From, from problems. So we stayed there the first night. It wasn't too far, obviously. Had, had a beautiful program. Keep going, Justin. They love people that are, have big girths. <laughs> that means I'm wealthy and I'm healthy in India. So they couldn't get enough of my... Uh, uh, that maybe it's the Buddha or something. I'm not sure, but uh, they love me. The next day, though, we got up early and and we're going to remote, remote villages. These villages, um, we had, this was, um, they were out in the middle of nowhere. And this is Andhra Pradesh and um, Orissa. And um, we had had, made arrangements preoperatively, I mean before, to have a tent set up by Maranatha. It's a typical tent because this is your advertising. You don't have to even tell them anything's coming. It's not the circus. But they fully understand that a medical team's coming in. I really... I really actually concentrated on the dental side of this because I knew he was going to talk on the metal side of it, but we had 18-member team, we had physicians. I can tell you, I've been on these trips where there's been the best caregiver there was a veterinarian. I've been on trips where I'm telling you, it's, people are trainable. And I really can tell you that when I was in Micronesia, we were training the locals to take out teeth. And within the third day, they were doing a great job of it. And it's just because then you can leave something behind, as he, was, as he was pointing out. So the people come, and we did have guards. And I think um, crowd control is something you have to figure out, because I can tell you, it can be a problem if you're in an impoverished, impoverished area. Obviously, we had chickens visiting us. The typical thing was they started lining up early. You'll see the women and children first, because the men kind of push them along, because we don't know what's going on. This is kind of hocus-pocus. And my wife, Jeannie, and the one nurse that we had there, um, yeah, nil money, they did all the triaging. So we would triage right up front. And we had a medical section, we had the dental section, we, have a, we had a pharmacy. Um, and uh, this obviously is the dental section. I had the best uh, dentist you can ever imagine. I taught my two sons to pull teeth, and they were shucking 50 or 60 teeth a day. They were still in college at the time. 
Now one of them's in dental school third year, the other's in Africa being a missionary going to medical school next year. And uh, it becomes a part of it. I can also encourage you, my wife is a phys ed teacher and a personal trainer and she had classes and the most productive things that were done was the education that she gave out under the tree to those ladies and whoever would sit there and she had them all day long and they loved it and they listened and it is money I'm telling you, you can take anybody there's a job for everybody there's blood pressures to be checked there's medicines to be handed out there's a job for everyone and it's fun it's fun the next day the tent would be moved we don't know who moved it but it was a special treat uh, they would move it to another location we'd show up the ladies would come again in the morning and they'd line up there as far as you could see then pretty soon the guys would start getting brave they found out that the dentists were numbing people up ha ha they didn't hear a lot of screaming come from that room over there this was money man I got a bad tooth too and then they start pushing the women out of the way the corner of our tent had this little window and all day long we had people watching us inspecting our work qualities and uh, this is a little guy that had a had a pretty big infection it was actually an external uh, fistula coming through where he'd been draining pus down through his face um, some of them are happy this guy doesn't look too happy but uh, he left with a toothbrush and he's happy and uh, we got his bad tooth out this was the school that we were actually staying at which is uh, Jaipur school the one that Garwin's building currently it's obviously a lot farther along uh, they met us when we were there and then after we did the the uh, clinics in the bush for three days we decided to see what we could do with the kids now this is even a better situation for us there is a captive audience not only is it captive audience from us being able to help them because half of them had rotted teeth and everything else but now we get to get to lecture talk play and develop relationships that go far beyond and uh, we had health talks every day we had um, week of prayer at night uh, we taught them always all the new songs we had the new start program we went uh, we had everybody going and boy they're 400 and some kids there and they have to sit there and listen to you and uh, we had a good time we had uh, my boys had breakout sessions what's and they were discussing problems that boys have and then there was breakout sessions with the girls and the problems that the girls were having and uh, then we lined them all up every kid every faculty got a dental exam medical exam uh, this was our dental clinic obviously this was pretty fancy back up just a little bit give you if you're doing work and you only have chairs get it up to where it's not going to kill your back um, you guys that are in the dental field you want to know what to use for sterilization uh, bleach works well if you don't have bleach uh, matar is another one that you can carry pretty well I can tell you don't carry it in its bottle my suggestion is if you're going to take matar with you which is a real concentrated sterilizing solution put it in a um, um, what? Nalgene bottle, like it's a drink or something, because they'll never ask what's in it. You can pack it away, and it's so concentrated you can make 50 gallons of stuff uh, you want, but they'll never know what it is because they will take certain things away from you. In dentistry, um, trying to concentrate a little bit on that, what you basically have to decide going out are you going to basically be extracting teeth or are you going to do full dentistry, which is going to be with. Uh, 
drills and, and everything else. And, and, and I'll show you a couple trips that we've done that. Obviously, in dentistry, we have a lot more equipment to take, which makes it more cumbersome, makes it more uh, difficult. But uh, I can tell you that we were pulling out uh, 50 to 100 teeth a day here, and most of the kids were happy. Uh, everybody got a toothbrush. Um, you have to take suitcases full of them when you're handing them out. Uh, like any other kids, got to be careful they all look the same or they're in there arguing or fighting over them or you got a fancier toothbrush than I did. Uh, but um, we, had, we had a good time and uh, we went through the whole school. Now, trying to do something that left something behind, go ahead Justin. Oh, we also helped the kids get into some beds because it was a brand new dormitory and that was, that was a fun experience. I went to the local dentist. This is the local dentist. This chair is 1922 circa, circa. No sterilizer, one old drill, almost like a belt-driven drill. I actually had him come out. I gave him a bunch of equipment and I cut a deal with him that if he'd go do some fillings on the kids, because I had said which ones needed to be done, because I didn't have it at the time, I'm not a general dentist, for $800, I bought 2,000 surfaces of amalgams. Sad part is two years later, they're all gone. He didn't do a very good job. So I've got to get back there with the team from someplace else to finish my job. But I made every effort to try to leave something uh, with them. Uh, whenever you go on these trips, guys, you'll fall in love with some kid. This is a little girl that I could never, ever keep my eyes off of. She followed me all over. Uh, every chance I had, she crawled up on my lap. I almost brought her home with me, but that's very expensive. And it's not recommended. Um, go to the second one real quick. Yeah, click up here and file. And come down here to Amen, yeah, two, right here. This is a trip that I put together just last year. Uh, I have a son in dental school. Lots of friends wanted to go on a trip, so I said, let me find a place. I just started asking around. I can tell you that if you ask about trips, you will be inundated with trips. There's not a month goes by that some, someone doesn't call me and ask me to go on a trip or ask me where they can go or something. It happens all the time. I wish there was a good clearinghouse for just projects. There isn't no central location. I know that if you go to ASI, if you haven't been to ASI, go to ASI, walk down the booths. If you see something that interests you, you make a comment that you're a physician or a dentist, they'll have you signed up for a trip within a month. But you gotta have local contacts. I can tell you that if you say to the Lord, I wanna go on a trip, but I only want it to be in South America in, or Central America, I only wanna to go to Costa Rica, I think you're gonna be in trouble. And then I think if you say, Lord, take me where you want, I think you might be in trouble. Um, because if you want adventure, just say, take me wherever you want. It's probably gonna be someplace you don't wanna be, but it's the place you need to be. So I'm just telling you that once you open yourself up just a little bit, it's scary, but it's fun. It's really fun, and it's exciting. In this trip in particular, I want to take uh, some dental students. I am absolutely get excited when I get young people overseas because that is where it's at. The old folks, uh, whatever, we're old. We've had our chance. It's time to give our young people a chance to, to do it. And so I signed up a trip. Found a general dentist this time because you have to have a general dentist. Went and got on staff at Loma Linda so I could borrow their students because they wouldn't give me any students without 
becoming a professor there. And, uh, and uh, then decided I was going to take him to Central America. First of all, we were going to go to India, and that was too far. And Central America was great. It was a five-hour flight for them from Los Angeles, nonstop into El Salvador. And uh, I made some phone calls down there, found out there was an orphanage there, contacted the guy personally. No one ever told me anything about it. I went down, called him. Oh, I'd love to have you come in. We did a little wheeling, dealing, uh, whatnot, and I set up the program for 10 dental students and uh, two hygienists. We get there. I get there a day early. That's, that, there's a couple things. If you don't know and you don't have good contacts, you really need to do some site prep. I'm telling you, you don't want to waste people's time. I've been on trips where there's not enough work not organized well, and it's not a good experience. So you really need to make sure you have your ducks in a row when you're taking a group someplace. I went in a day early, and that was the pastor that met us, and he took us straight up to the conference office. I don't know if any of you guys have been in El Salvador. This is, the, this is the El Salvadorian conference office. And we met a few of the people there, and this was the funniest part. I just have to throw this out because this is really good for you. They were having a committee meeting to decide what to do with these people straight across from the conference office. These were homeless people that were living there, but they were making the neighborhood the shambles. And they didn't know how to call the police on them or buy them a house, but no, there's no money to buy a house, help them move. And it was a four-hour meeting to try to figure out what to do. It was a great Great illustration on, on uh, what, I don't know what the answer was, but these people were living there and it was not good for the conference. So uh, interesting, I just found that interesting. Stop and do your shopping where you can. This is my sister. I, I can tell you guys, one of the most important person on your trip is your cook. Whoever that is, they have to have knowledge, they have to understand what's there locally, and they got to make sure they can cook and keep you healthy. Because there's so many trips that I've been on, people get sick. And then they're not good to you or anything like that. So you've got to get some of them. My sister's been in the mission field for 20 years. She can cook. She's been all over the world. She can cook with any types of things. We happen to have a really good setup at this place. But we've been there where there's just one little stove. And you make your beans and your rice. But this, this was good. So I conned my sister into going. I had to pay her airfare. But that's okay. And uh, by the way, I want to make a comment on that. Um, I don't know how you guys organize trips. I organize trips. I tend to sponsor most of them myself just because it's easier. But I have a deal with the church clerk. And when it's a mission trip, I just keep all my tabs and it goes through the church. So it's all written off. And I can tell you at the end of the month, like he said, my office, I go away for three weeks. I, didn't, I was a solar practitioner. I thought my practice would be nothing when I came back. It was always there when I came back. I've never not had it when I came back. I can tell you, just do it. If you can get your little kids taken care of, you've got to be a little careful with that. If you have a grandma or grandpa, that's fine. But your practice will survive. It's not a problem. And the money is not a problem. There's a million people that are willing to sponsor trips if you just put it out there. It's not, it's not a big deal. But anyway, so we went to this. By the way, do you see that? There's two guys in the back here that helped build this, build this or, or, orphanage, two young, young guys. And uh, this is the orphanage. Actually, Garwin built this in the early 90s. Uh, that's the place we stayed. That was the fanciest place I've ever stayed in the mission field in my life. It was actually air-conditioned. Uh, funny, back up one thing. i got to hurry, but there's a funny story. i got to tell some of them. This is called the Curly Gates. Not the Pearly Gates, but the Curly Gates. 
Darwin built these in Dodge Center, Minnesota, in the middle of winter. He, they were in four pieces. He put them in his private jet and flew them down here and had them put up, and the next morning they couldn't open them. They were built at zero degrees, and this is like 80 degrees, and the hinges wouldn't move. It took them three days to take them down, remanufacture the hinges, and he learned one important engineering lesson, figure out how to do it in the right temperature. Anyway, I actually, the director of the orphanage was gone, so we made a little deal. I could use his house for, uh, make sure we didn't tear anything up and whatnot. And the next day, uh, we went and picked up all the students uh, at the airport. And uh, it's exciting to see them, because they're excited. <laughs> this guy's been on lots of mission trips. This one guy you want to take, because there's nothing he can't fix. That's one thing when you're talking about carrying a lot of dental equipment. You got to make sure, next picture, you got to make sure you have uh, uh, a lot of places to put it. We brought compressors, everything. I don't recommend dentists taking your own compressor. I think you're better off just buying a compressor or asking them if they can rent a compressor to, to, to run, the, run the stuff. Load everything up. And we came in on Friday and then we took over Sabbath and had some great programs for the kids. And uh, one other, it's a beautiful campus, I can tell you. There's about 200 orphans there. Keep going, Justin, we've got to move on. Um, Karen, my sister, and Jeannie did most of the cooking. I actually hired uh, two ladies to help them. Uh, one was $7 a day, and the other was $5 a day. And when I gave the one $10, I got in trouble because the teachers didn't make $10. And you've got to be a little, kind, a little careful who and what you pay because you can make people unhappy if you don't understand what the customs are. And the way you dress, ladies, uh, and men, the way you dress is important to know when you're in the field. I'm just telling you little things. They had a clinic. It was the best clinic I've ever seen in this situation. This is the general dentist. He came out of Canada. I don't know if you guys know Don Horrocks and his wife, Faye. Uh, that, was the, that was the pastor. Uh, in the front of the clinic, we obviously had all the medicines and everything. And the kids came in and sat, and then we turned Jeannie loose on them. They got lectured, man. Why they waited, this was better than the TV in the corner. This was health, health lecture 101, every one of those kids. They had two brand new dental chairs, which uh, we rotated for high guns. Um, we had translators. I found this old surgical table. This was the oral surgery department in another room with a big old hot light. We had gurneys. We had people working on gurneys. We had a hygiene department, a table. They were working both ways. Uh, we had them going. And we lined up. Oh, I was a happy camper getting ready to get a shot. And we had them going um, both ways. Um, and... Uh, uh, I can tell you a couple of things real quick in dentistry. You can't fix everything just like you can't in medicine, but I'll tell you, if you can fix a front tooth for a person, you have won a friend for life. And they would rather have a front tooth fixed than a big old cavity in the back taken care of because that's their identity. And this little girl, obviously, you saw how, ha how happy she was uh, when she had her front tooth fixed because she'd been walking around chipped for a year or two, and now she was uh, uh, feeling great. Obviously, we had an opportunity to uh, um, play with the orphans a lot. It was kind of interesting. Uh, we put on programs. We had programs every night. Um, 
We did more than that. We had, uh, keep going, because we're almost out of time. There was a swimming pool there. Many of the kids didn't know how to swim. My wife is a WSI, so we had swimming lessons. We had the kids that didn't know how to swim. They actually had lost a kid a year or so earlier. So every kid that didn't know how to swim had to come to swimming lessons. I wanted to sign up for that, but I wasn't able to. We had basketball, soccer at night with the kids. Uh, uh, we had the salute to dental. Last weekend we had all kinds of programs. Uh, we did uh, the New Start programs there. Uh, we had a Saturday night social with the kids, which was absolutely great. We bought uh, uh, aprons for everybody just to make sure they were official. We played games. And after every kid in that place had got one, two, three, or four fillings, I had the bright idea of going and buying ice cream for them. <laughs> and you should have seen these kids eating that ice cream. Oh, 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 oh. They're walking around the gym uh, because there were some deep fillings. But it was the best deal. I bought 25 gallons of ice cream for $42. That was the best deal. And they didn't get that but once a year. And uh, uh, like always, you, these two wanted to go home with the Horrocks. Uh, this little girl attached to me, I was willing to take her home. Joel, he, he had two or three. Jeannie wanted to take two or three. We could, have, we could have cleaned out the orphanage by the time the week was over. And uh, it's a great experience. I, could, I would like to just give you some strong tidbits here, some things that you might take away. Number one, medical or dental, if you want to buy equipment cheaply, either buy it on eBay, if you haven't done any eBay buying, or in particular, if you've never gone to the website govliquidation.com, that's a site you should be familiar with. I can tell you I just bought seven perfectly mobile dental units worth $6,000 a piece, seven of them for $265. I didn't even know for sure what it was on the pallet. But you, on that organ, I saw this pallet and it was stuck with stuff I, and I recognized a couple of them because I bought a lot on this site. I've sent stuff all over. I, I can't, I give it to people, here, you can take this with you and just leave it there, okay? We've got them in Peru and everywhere. We, I just give it to them. But there was seven things that kind of looked like it, or no, there was about 10 of them. And I just put a bid in there for $700, and then it, it, that's the, my highest bid, and I was just wanting to see if anybody would bid up against me. And nobody bid, and I got it for $258, and they were seven of the best dental units you've ever seen in your life. I just bought three AEDs. Um, uh, uh, Zoles, brand new, never ever been opened, and I paid $1,500 a piece, and they're 7000 They got pulse oximeter, everything, everything with them, period. I can tell you that you go on that site, and, and there's, I, I, was, I was actually trying to see if I could put it up here, because I was going to show you some tricks, because I think this is the meat of trying to get stuff, is, is, uh, under, I can just tell you that there's a lot of places. The hospitals give me so much stuff, I don't even know what to do with it. It's like the OR opens up, and they throw all this stuff to one side for scrubbing, and they save it for me. And about once a month, the, uh, I brought two garbage bags full of lidocaine that hadn't been opened and prep sets from, from them doing little procedures to put an IV in or something, and they just throw all the stuff to the side and give it all to me. I don't even know what to do with the stuff once you tell them 
that you're going on a mission trip or something. They want to help you. They want you. You go back to the hospital, you give a chance to give a talk and, and whatnot. And they're asking if they can come with you. I can tell you that just, just do it. The Lord's going to take care of it. He'll, he'll, he'll lead you in the, in the way you're doing. But there is a million places to, to um, let him lead. And he'll lead every time. I'm telling you. It's like if the mission needs it, they call me and they needed some lights. I says, surgical lights. Uh, no problem. I'll have those within a month. And heck, I bought them for $200 a piece. Really good surgical lights. It just came off of some hospital government. We paid $10,000 a piece for them. All of us did. And I bought them for a couple hundred bucks a piece. And it's just, it's, it's, they're, they're, it's out there, guys. I'm wanting to stimulate you to go out and make a difference and let the Lord lead because he, he, he wants to use you, and he will. Amen. Questions? How about really small kids? Um, you know... I could tell you, really, you know, little tiny kids. Well, you have to decide whether you want to do that or not. I could tell you there's some places you can get away with taking them, and there's a lot of places you shouldn't take them. And then who's going to take them, take care of them while you're there? My philosophy was, Grandma and Grandpa need to bond with my kids. Amen. And so early on, they didn't get to go. But as soon as, I could tell you, as soon as they turned 14, 15, they were on a mission trip every single year someplace someplace well it's after five thank yep. you for your attention we'll be around for some more questions if you have any <laughs>